Hey, beautiful people. Welcome back to Love and Light. It's your girl, C, Sienna, Mamacita, whatever you come to know me as. I am so, so excited today to be here with my dear friend, Kate. We actually met at Oxy, Occidental, for those who don't know. Um, and we have stayed in contact through Instagram and like the power of social media really being a tool for connection. But I want to hand it over to her and just let her introduce herself. So how you doing, Kate? Hi. Hi, everybody. It's an honor to be here. My name is Kate Tacost. Uh, I met Sienna at Oxy. The last time I saw her in person, I think, was in more social education class. So it's been a while. But yeah, like she mentioned, we've stayed connected through the power of social media. And honestly, her podcast and her social media, her Instagram has been such a positive influence in my life. So I'm so honored to be here today on this podcast. Oh, thank you. And thank you so much for being here and taking the time. For those of y'all who are now meeting Kate, we actually really connected over this idea of living like a value-based or having an experience approach to life versus a goal-based one. And this is not to say that goals are bad by any means, but it is a very different approach to life. And I just wanted to dissect, divulge, and really go into it. So today there's actually a Instagram graphic that we're going to be responding through and kind of dissecting. And it says resolutions to consider. And it's posted by Nedra Tawad. I don't want to like butcher that. I'll link it um, in the Insta post that I make about this episode so you all can see it and know what it is that we're referring to. But with that, Kate, tell me a little bit about your resolution this year and what led you to a value-based mindset? Yeah, sure. So um, how this all came about was this year, I was thinking about my New Year's resolutions around New Year's and honestly, nothing really came to mind for me. It was, it was, I was really struggling to make concrete goals this year, which I've, I do pretty much every year. Um, and then I saw this post by Nedra Tawab. Um, she is a licensed therapist, author and relationship and um, boundaries expert. And if you're not following her, go follow her because she makes really amazing content um, on Instagram that I found to be really, really useful to see on my feed. But I saw her post and it really, really, really resonated with me when I read through it and read through the caption as well. And it just, it's, it stuck with me that I didn't want a specific arbitrary goal this year. That was something like read X amount of books or make X amount of money or, you know, lose X amount of pounds or something that are the common ones that a lot of people make. Cause I've done that before. And yeah, some of them I've achieved, but I just felt like it wasn't helping me progress to be more full of myself, like more my full self. It wasn't helping me progress to feel more aligned with who I am and my goals and where I want to go in life. It was, it was just sort of something that I hit and then was like on to the next or something that I failed to hit and beat myself up about when it wasn't maybe even something that I needed to do to progress in my life and be at a certain place. It was just something that I was forcing myself to do. So yeah, so I saw this post and I read through some of the things she mentioned and I realized that this year I what I my main goal was going to be for this year was to live a values based life and to do more of the things that I love to do to do more of the things that bring me joy that make me feel connected to myself and nature and others um, fo focusing on you know my values and made a list of those 
feeling strong, knowledge, feeling in touch with who I am. And that's something that I didn't really discover until later in life. I love that so much. And I think there's so much power in understanding that there are multiple things and multiple aspects of life that make you feel full and make you feel aligned with yourself and understanding that goals served you in one season, right? Those like arbitrary goals that you were saying, those were motivating and they gave structure and they served their purpose. And it's okay to shift and say something that served me previously no longer serves me or is no longer the best way to serve myself. I'm really big on this idea of normalizing change and normalizing learning new information and having that be more impactful or more powerful in your life. And something as simple as an Instagram post really does have power and meaning if you allow it to and if you let it resonate with you. So I was super happy when I saw you repost this on your story because I looked at it and I was like, wow, a lot of these things are either lessons that I've mentioned before or lessons that I'm still learning. And there was something very strong about seeing someone else put to words what I had been feeling. And I think people tend to say, you know, set goals, goals are motivating, you need to have goals to progress. And I agree to a certain extent, because I think while goals can be great for motivation and structure and a form of self-accountability, there are so many times where the hustlers, the go-getters, the goal setters also have a level of insatiability that if left unchecked can be negative because that hit of dopamine, that hit of serotonin when you accomplish a goal is beneficial and it's a positive thing. And also, if you don't allow yourself to sit in that and celebrate all of your wins, then you become the person who says on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. But I feel like a lot of people fail to celebrate themselves for how far they've made it while in progress of achieving their larger goals. And that's something that I've become more cognizant of, even with something like this podcast, right? I have goals about how many streams I want to have and how many people I want in the community and the retention rate that I want. And if I only focused on those things, I would be really sad. But the fact is I'm focusing on the growth and the number of people who are connecting with me like you and the number of people that I am really engaging with, not just speaking at, but speaking with, in community with, in conversation with. Those are the things that I need to celebrate. But when I thought about my goals, that's not what I was writing down or that's not what I was focusing on. So I think there's, as with everything, there's a give and take, there's an ebb and flow. But I really like the idea of aligning yourself with your values and celebrating what comes from that as opposed to kind of tunnel visioning on one specific outcome. A hundred percent. I agree so much with everything that you just said. Um, and to go off the point about change this past year, so many of us um, had our lives turned upside down and we seek to understand our purpose and what a meaningful life really looks like when certain factors of control are removed. Um, when we remove productivity or at least the amount of productivity that is often praised in our modern high achieving society, what's left and what's left is our values and what we believe in and what we stand for. And 
I just had to think long and hard about why am I setting goals that are revolving around numbers or revolving around specific, you know, like you said, hitting specific things for your podcast or things like that. What, is, what do they mean to me? What, what are the, the values behind them? So I think we can absolutely set goals, like specific goals and achieve them and feel great, but it's the intent and it's what's behind those goals. So for example, one value that I've really emphasized this past year is my health. And I've been on a huge health and fitness journey, but I realized that I felt so much more fulfilled in that when my goals were surrounding my values and my capabilities. So valuing my health to me means practicing daily movement and hydrating my body and nourishing my body with both foods that make me feel my best and foods that I enjoy and that taste good and that I love you know, experiencing with um, other people. And finding that balance for me is so important. Um, but it's just setting that intent behind the goal. That's like, I value my health. So I'm going to practice daily movement and build these habits. Or I value building my strength and seeing myself improve in ways like doing X amount of reps more than last month of the same weight is is are the goals that I'm striving to set for myself, not just an arbitrary goal that, yes, society values this, so I'm gonna strive for this because it'll make me happy or give me a dopamine release. But really thinking about why am I setting this goal? What does it bring to me and what value is behind that goal? This idea of intentionality and also living for yourself. And that truly could be a whole other podcast, but I wanna emphasize and echo and support this idea that Ultimately, your goals have to be for yourself. They have to be things that are truly going to feed and fuel you and your soul and your body because trying to do things for others' approval is going to be satisfying temporarily. And I'm not going to pretend that it's not. And the emphasis is on the temporarily. But if you're doing something that is important to you, even if it's not important to others, or even if it's not a societal standard of health or beauty or fitness or X or Y or Z, ultimately it's a standard for you. And I am faith-based, right? So the way that I view life is at the end of the day, the only person that I live with every day of my life is myself. And the only people that I have to respond to are myself and God. Like everyone else is complimentary to that. But those are my standards, right? Can I answer to myself? Can I explain and stand by my decisions? And can I explain it to God if like the day and time comes? And if you're not religious or faith-based, then it's just you. Like that's who you have to answer to. That's the person that you live with every single day. And you get to choose the other people that you're around to an extent, of course. I know that there are circumstantial things. Um, and with that, right, like doing the things that make you happy, even if other people don't get it, they're going to love to see you happy. And ultimately fueling yourself and prioritizing yourself is an act of community care, right? Being your best self, showing up holistically yourself is an act of community care, is an act of love for the people around you. Um, and that actually brings us to the first bullet point on the post, which says, consistently connect with people who fill you up. So I want to toss it over. Who are the people that fill you up? And 
how are you going about consistently connecting with them? Sure. So yeah, this first point, I think honestly, quarantine has allowed me to have a deeper appreciation for the people who mean a lot to me. Um, I had to get really frank with myself and reevaluate the meaning of each of my relationships during this time, because honestly, a lot of my relationships, we have drifted apart during this time. And some of mine, we've, we've gotten so much closer and deeper, even though we're distance wise, we haven't seen each other and we're far apart. Um, you know, and energy exchange is a real thing. So during this time when we are feeling extra stress and pressure and drained, you need to protect your energy and you need to be careful on who you allow in and out of your life and who you allow to take up that space and exchange energy um, with. So I think it's okay to, to say, you know what, I am further from this person during this time, but that's okay because we're both doing what's best for our, ourselves and our energy. Um, so yeah, I have, I definitely have noticed that my, my relationships during this time have shifted, but in, I think really great ways. And so I think that connecting with people who constantly fill you up, support your goals, see you for who you really are and, um, value you for everything that you are and are not, it's so important. And I think it's something that everyone needs to, to sort of navigate their relationships and, you know, the balance of how much time they allocate for each relationship. It's, it's a balance. Yeah. Yeah. Balance absolutely really is the name of the game with, with everything. Um, and it actually makes me think about how people growing apart, especially like post-grad right now and post-grad into a pandemic, which was unexpected to say the least. Um, and it makes me think of the book, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Have you heard it or have you heard of it? I've heard of it, but I, yeah, I definitely have been meaning to read that. So I thank you for mentioning it. Yeah, absolutely. My friend Kobe, shout out to you if you're listening. Um, he actually recommended it to me and he bought it for me more so. And one of those four agreements is to not take things so personally. And that's so difficult to me because I am so keen on like human connection and that's ultimately like the value that guides my life is being able to connect with people and myself in meaningful and sustainable ways and so this idea to of like people's treatment towards me not being necessarily about me and not internalizing that was real hard and like is a pill that I'm very much still swallowing and like I have to remind myself every day and with that there was a moment in one of my friendships where I just had to take a step back and I had to be like, I love you and I need space from you right now. I just, I cannot be engaging with you. And they were so positively receptive where they were like, I understand. And they were like, it hurts, but also all I want for you is to do what's best for you. And so if this is in alignment with that, I'm going to deal with my emotions and know that I support you making this decision. And there was such a lack of ego in that response that was really grounding for me because I was like, wow, I really surround myself with some quality people and relationships go through ebbs and flow and you grow apart from people naturally. And it doesn't mean that they're a bad person or that you don't want them in your life, but it's that naturally you are not serving me in the way that you did before. And not in like a transactional way either, but truly just the phase of life that we're in is no longer aligned or no longer, 
you know, having that kind of important energy exchange that you were talking about. I don't know. I don't want to like go on for too long, but that definitely just made me think about this idea of not taking it personally and also recognizing that the quality of people it takes to surround yourself with people who fill you up might mean losing friendships. And that's okay. 100%. And I want to, I just want to give you props right now for standing up for yourself and holding that boundary and expressing it to that person. That must have been pretty difficult for you. And I know for myself as a highly sensitive person, which is a thing, an S an HSP um, and an empath that I take things personally too. And that's been something I've really worked on and navigated in the past couple of years after postgrad is um, in like in the workplace is just realizing that things aren't personal. Um, a lot of feedback is meant to be constructive and people's actions are 99% of the time reflecting something internally within them. So that's been a lesson that I've also navigated recently to just taking things less personal and understanding that I have control over my actions and my thoughts, but not other people's. And I can choose how I respond to other people though. Um, but that moves into our next point of um, practice being vulnerable and expressing to people um, you know, our vulnerable sides and what we need. Just kind of transitioning. Vulnerability is so powerful. I've started practicing just being more vulnerable in smaller ways, but smaller and more daily ways. Um, and I've been posting more personal experiences online and on Instagram. And that's, you know, that's why I'm here today and um, posting things like that. I've gotten to reconnect with people I lost touch with or, you know, spark conversations with people I normally don't talk with just because I'm being vulnerable in a public space. And I think that's so special. And yeah, I don't know. I really appreciate the power of social media that it has. I love that. Um, thank you for the kudos. I received that. And it is a perfect segue into being vulnerable. I think there, I've been saying this for years, and I think I'm really growing into understanding the magnitude, which is that vulnerability is absolutely my superpower and my biggest downfall. It is both because I am so willing to be vulnerable. And with that, there is a level of vulnerability that is my standard that I sometimes forget is not the actual standard. And so I, you know, back to taking things personally, can feel like, well, why do they not feel comfortable enough with me? Or like, how can I, how can I make them more comfortable? But the two things within that is that one, it's not specific to me. And two, it's not my job to make them more comfortable. Like, absolutely, I want right. to curate a space, but that's not my burden to bear. And I think that has been a phrase that I've really been thinking about as someone who is very vulnerable and with my close friendships, really, I d it sounds weird, but I do demand a level of vulnerability. If you're like in my inner circle, that's how I feel connected to people is by having these vulnerable, intimate moments. And so to not have that or for someone to take longer to open up, it's okay, right? That's normal. And being able to set boundaries for me I don't know if it's vulnerable so much as it's just difficult, but maybe it's both because I'm so community oriented. I'm so like, ah, human, let's connect. Like that's just my energy. That's how I approach the world. And also for me to say like, 
I love you as a human. I respect you. And also I need space or this friendship, this relationship, this situationship, whatever context you're talking about to kind of respectfully be like, I don't want to engage in this anymore. I don't know if that's considered vulnerability, but that's really difficult for me. Would, I don't know, as someone who's also an empath, would you think that that is like vulnerability to kind of set those boundaries? I think it's absolutely vulnerability. And I also think that it's, it's so important to use and also statements because I don't know about you, but I always thought there was more black and white to things more. It has to be this way or this way. It can't be both. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think that there's so, so much complexity and grayness to life that we have to include as part of the picture. Um, And I absolutely believe that that is part of vulnerability is admitting that. But yeah, going off your point of um, needing the relationships in your life to to be at a certain degree of vulnerability, um, I will admit that I'm one of those people that it does take me longer. I am a lot slower to open up and be vulnerable. And with um, a more recent relationship in my life, like that was an issue. like from my side, just just not being ready to open up and be be at that point that the other person was. Um, but I will admit that on my side, like reflecting on that experience, I think that at a certain to a certain degree, it's a sign for me to look at if I'm not there. Because at a certain point, I wanted to be there. Um, and I did trust this person. But I think there was some block and that those are things to make notes of for myself. Why? Why did the, why is this block is existing? Why am I not opening up? What is stopping me? And so reflecting on that, I'm not saying that something was necessarily wrong, but I think it's important for both sides to look at, you know, am I comfortable with this? And why am I not, not comfortable if I'm, if I'm, you know, hesitant to open up? Absolutely. There, for me, I automatically think of, triggers. And I don't want to throw that around like loosely or lightly. What I mean is that there are certain moments or certain dynamics that even subconsciously can remind someone or have a familiarity to them that is disheartening or is concerning. And it could be a natural visceral response that you're not aware of until you do that self-assessment, until you kind of take that inventory. And I think that's really important to know, right? Because for me, like as someone who is hyper vulnerable, well, I guess if you're in my life, you can agree or disagree. Let me know. I would say that I am very vulnerable. I don't know if I'm hyper vulnerable, but with vulnerability being something that I'm pretty comfortable with, it's not so much that I am frustrated with people when they're not vulnerable with me. It's understanding that their level of vulnerability is going to look different than mine because my baseline is different, right? And so like what you were saying about that being an issue, that's so valid. And also I think that's the importance of one, communication, being able to say like, it's not that I don't trust you. It's not that I don't love you. It's simply that I'm not there yet. And I can't give you more than that because I don't know how to put it into words. And again, also understanding that Sometimes relationships are not meant to be forever, but the lesson that you learned served you. And that doesn't make it a negative experience, even though I'm sure some unideal emotions were attached to, you know, navigating that. Yeah, Yeah, totally. 
I, I agree with everything you just said. And that was hard to admit to myself that that relationship was temporary, but it did serve its purpose and taught me so much about myself. And, you know, some of those things emotionally were brought up. Those trauma bonds and things that were familiar to me were brought up in this um, relationship. So it, it was really important me for me to reflect on, you know, this wasn't a space where I could be fully vulnerable. And there are reasons for that. And I walked away from the situation having a deeper understanding of myself. So I definitely don't think it was wasted at all. So, yes, I also, and I won't go on a tangent. I will say I am a firm believer that like no person is a waste of time. Um, it really like grinds my gears when people are like, oh, I wasted my time. I gave them all my good years. And I'm like, uh, no person, no relationship was a waste of time. Um, I agree. Unless it's a very, it's a circumstance where there's abuse or toxicity that no one deserves. Absolutely. Yeah. There's always exceptions, but I totally agree. I think that people say that as a way to, def- as a defense mechanism to say that, you know, I could do better or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it may be, but it's a learning experience and you, you fully developed and changed because of that experience, whether you like it or not, it impacted you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Also, also, correct me if I'm wrong, you were a psych, psych major, major, were you not? Yes, I was a psychology major and a sociology minor. I knew um, it. Types, types of conversations are just my jam. Yeah, I was like, these are my bread and butter. I was a social major ed minor for those of y'all listening who don't know. But I was remembering this and I was like, the psych is really like popping out on both of us. So it made me happy. Um, yeah. Awesome. Moving on to the next point, it says, stop fighting to be right. And I. Don't Don't fight. fight. That's That's something something that, that, at at least in romantic relationships, I should say that. In like partnerships, I'm not going to fight with you. I really, nothing is to be gained. And I simply don't have the energy. I will argue with you, but I will not fight with you. And I think the difference for me is that fighting is about being right. Arguing is about reaching a solution. I agree. I completely agree. And I also will not fight. Um, There are actually four responses that we can do in a relationship um, when conflict arises and it's fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. So um, I can break those down if you need me to, but basically um, it's, it's thought that each human practices two at a time two main ones at a time. So fight is obviously fighting. Flight is just leaving, running away. Um, freeze is just your nervous system freezes. You don't know what to do. You just kind of are stuck there. And fawn is people pleasing and usually associated with being more codependent in relationships and things like that. But it's known that we in general practice around two of those at a time. That's so interesting. I think I probably default to fawn. And there are a lot of reasons for that, but that's really interesting to me. Something, and actually the reason why I now say I don't fight because I always grew up with this idea that like the people who are at it the most, the relationships that are not fighting in terms of like yelling at each other, but the couples that are always like very hot and cold or very like passionate are because there's so much emotion. There's so much love there. And I saw that. And I was kind of like, I don't like that. I don't want that for myself, right? And I think it's about generally 
there's two options when you see something growing up. It's either an example of what you want or an example of what you don't want. And I think that ideology of people saying like, oh, the couples that are like yelling and that they go at it the most, like those are the couples that are like built to last and they really love each other. And I'm like, that's not the version of love that I want to experience. And that was really important for me um, in any relationship, truthfully, like, I don't do well with people yelling at me. And I feel like that's when you're fighting with me. But mm-hmm. something that uh, actually Pastor Mike Todd from Transformation Church said was that it is never you versus your spouse. It is always the unit versus the problem. And I've really adopted that approach um, when I get really angry or really heated. I'm someone who will say, <laughs> I need I need a moment. I need to like sit in my anger. I can't like build a bridge and get over it. I will come to you when we can find a solution, right? Um, Taking that space, being angry because I, you need to feel your emotions. You can't like suppress them. And also understanding that by my definition, fighting will never serve you because again, even if you win or you feel right, that means that the person you were fighting with loses. And if that's someone you care about, then I don't see how their loss is a win for you, right? Because the ultimate goal is to maintain that relationship. Oh, 100%. I love everything that you're saying right now. Um, This sort of reminds me of, I don't know if you watched Taysha um, season of The Bachelorette. Um, Yes. Uh. But she was so freaking good at walking away, at taking time herself be mature and be like I need a moment and then come back and that's one thing I really took away from her season that I'm going to start doing more because sometimes it is better to walk away and conserve your energy and peace of mind and gather your thoughts and calm down emotionally regulate yourself and then come back and rather than be heated fight to be right and all these things that and things you can say things that you don't really mean in that moment and it'll cause more problems than solutions Um, but also what you were talking about, about the type of love, um, that's like heated and passionate and all these things. I was talking about this recently with somebody that I strongly believe that there are two types of love and there are two types of love, um, discussed in psychology and one is passionate love and one is, um, companionate love. And I think I'm in the stage of my life where I want companionate love and, um, some people want passionate love. Some people want that passion, that heat, that it's perfect and it's, you know, it's whatever in the movies or something, but I want companionate love that's based on compassion, um, not requiring perfection, being willing, willing to talk things out together and come to a compromise. That's what I want. And I, and I am willing to say that I don't think that they can coexist. I don't think, think they can exist at the exact same time. I think they can evolve and be in the same relationship, but I don't think they can happen at the same time. That's so interesting to me. The first thing that I think about, and correct me if I'm wrong, companionate love is not void of passion. It's just that the dynamic of the union is not defined by the intensity of the passion. It's not defined by that, but more so an understanding of wanting to hear this person out, wanting to know them fully and work on things together than be in a sort of dance that's intense and lit by a fire they're just different dynamics but it doesn't mean one's devoid of love and passion they both have love and passion 
you know, they both have certain degrees of communication and certain degrees of understanding, but it's, it's the structure and the format that supports these relationships, the foundation of them. I love that. It makes me think about this idea of listening to understand, not listening to respond. And I think that's a key difference between like fighting versus arguing. Um, if I'm fighting, I need you to understand me. And when I'm listening to you, I'm thinking of all the points that I'm going to use to respond. And I will absolutely say that's my default. Like as a person, my default is to be like, so here's all the things that you said. And here's all the reasons why those are incorrect. Um, And, you know, growth. Okay. Growth in this house, friends. And so I am now listening with the intent to repeat it back to you. And if that's a trick, actually, I forgot who said it. I can't even think of it now. So many people say it, but um, I heard it recently. I want to say on like a TV show, this idea that if you're listening with the intent to repeat what they said back to you, you'll retain so much more. And if you're listening to be like, can I see their point of view? Not do I agree or disagree, because you can understand and still disagree. But can I understand where they're coming from? There's a level of empathy and compassion that's innate to that approach. And in that, you're now saying, okay, I hear you. I didn't see it that way. I see why you're reacting the way you are, X, Y, Z. And it progresses you forward towards a place of compromise and solution in a way that like fighting simply does not. No, I agree. One last thing I would add is just to me, that is a difference I've learned between responding and reacting and what you were mentioning before of involving the ego less and that sort of being reactive and fiery versus taking all the information in and then responding. So that's what I'll say about that. But the next point is apologizing less often for things that aren't your fault. So important, so freaking important. I think um, this is one thing that my mentor has taught me um, just in general in the workplace, especially as a woman and a woman of color in the workplace, apologize less because I just thought I was supposed to apologize for everything, you know? And you're respected more when you don't apologize as much. And instead you express gratitude. You say, thank you for getting this done. Thank you for your patience thanks for letting me know this update, right? Instead of, sorry, I'm, you know, late or sorry for not having this as quickly as it, it's just a shift, a shift in how you, you are perceived in the workplace and in other spaces too. Absolutely. Um, You hit the nail on the head with everything that I was going to say. It's as a woman, something that I've been very cognizant of. And there was this thing on LinkedIn which I'm on more than I would like, but it's also because I don't enjoy LinkedIn at all. But um, there was this post that went viral and it was about how often you use exclamation points in your email. And so many women were like, wow, I can't find an email that I didn't use an exclamation point in because it's this idea of like needing to be likable, hello, needing to be likable and approachable and giving this sort of like feminine energy through a screen and through an email, right? And I don't think that femininity should be like downplayed or looked down upon. What I'm saying is that it also shouldn't be a performance, right? Like, hey, how you doing? Is unnecessary. Hi, how are you? Thank you for getting this to me. I need you to do X, Y, Z. 
that's okay to just write an email and it aligns with that, but it obviously is a little bit different. I think I over apologize out of default and I don't know that it's because I'm a woman. I think there is a layer of that, but I also just think there is almost a lack of accountability in the things that matter and too much accountability in like the day-to-day things of life. So a lot of people, in my opinion, fail to take full accountability for the things they did unintentionally that harm people or that have a negative impact on others while also over-apologizing for things that they had no control over but they feel bad, right? So like, hey, sorry I'm late is so common. And if it's your fault, right? If it's poor time management, go ahead and apologize. But hey, sorry I'm late. You know, there was traffic because someone was in a car accident. Not not in your control. Um, and I think that could be a double-edged sword. Yeah, I think that distinction right there is incredibly important. If I screw up, I'm going to hold myself accountable. I think that's important and that's respectable. But if I wasn't at fault, I think that a lot of times we're conditioned to just apologize as a response to anything, to multiple things that just don't require an apology. And so it is learning that um, that level of accountability of do I owe an apology here or not? But more often than not, you're over-apologizing. So it's something to be more mindful of. Um, that one is more straightforward. So I think we can move on to the next one, which is less people pleasing. (laughs) That's kind of similar to the apologizing one. Um, but I think we've touched on this one quite a bit throughout this, which is just setting boundaries, maintaining boundaries, being strong enough and willing to communicate, Hey, this isn't working for me. And I need you to do this instead of this. And what you're doing right now is making me feel this way. Absolutely. I was just about to say, I feel like people pleasing tendencies are kind of interwoven into the foundations of a lot of these. Um, And I will say I am someone who defaults to people pleasing because of being so community oriented. And I was like, well, how can I be in community with people who, who aren't pleased, who don't enjoy my presence? And for me, it took a lot of unlearning that I cannot like you in this moment and still love you and still want you in my life and still like value you and respect you as a person. And I think that is a big distinction that should get a little more light and get a little more love is that you can love someone, care for them, and not like all of the things that they do. You're simply not going to like every single thing that another human does. Nine times out of 10, you don't even like every single thing that you yourself do. And you're doing it, right? So like, I'm so big on like less people pleasing. And I just want to send like, love to everyone out there who is like me and defaults to it, understanding and giving yourself grace that it's so much easier said than done. And every little step that you're taking to asserting yourself, stepping into your power, really like walking in your worth, celebrate that and and be gracious with yourself. A hundred percent. I think this point is really bringing back to just realizing that the goals and intentions that you set need to be internal focused and less external focused, right? Because we people please to make other people happy and get this external validation and praise and, you know, support from others. But really there is no amount of self-improvement that can make up for lack of self-acceptance. 
And I'm going to say that again, because there is no amount of self-improvement that can make up for any lack of self-acceptance, right? If we don't accept ourselves, we are honestly incapable of truly people-pleasing. Because like you said, when you are your best self and when you are showing up for yourself, you're making the community happy, right? And you're showing up for the community by just doing that. I mean, not just doing that. That is a huge act. But by doing that, you are. You're doing what's best for everyone. Truly, truly, truly. I don't know that that segues into this next point, but I it's just really sticking out to me. So we need to talk about it. Allow things to be good enough instead of perfect. Yes. Wow. Simply wow. Right? Like, yes, all the snaps, all the kudos. Like, you got it. Because that... And I mentioned this idea in episode one where the biggest thing that was holding me back from releasing an episode of this podcast was that I wanted the first episode to be perfect. I wanted the audio quality to be what I wanted. I wanted a theme song. I wanted a tune. I wanted like the perfect name and the perfect everything. And the reality is, and I was telling Kate right before we started, start, started recording. Good Lord, friends. Thank you for your grace as I can't speak today. I had to let that go. I had to say, episode one, no matter how good I think it is today, should and will be bad compared to episode 100. Because episode 100 is going to have 99 episodes of growth in it, 99 episodes of learning and editing and really figuring out my niche and the quality. And so I just had to accept that episode one, my idea for episode one, my idea for the podcast was good enough to start. I love that idea of good enough to start. Um, one thing I will say too, is I am 100% a perfectionist. I a thousand percent relate to the idea of not starting something because you want it to be perfect from the get go. Um, and I think that's held me back a lot in my life. Um, you know, if we, if we focus so much on being perfect and perfection, we really miss out on living life and living an intentional life and following through on promises to ourselves. And I think that it can be really hurtful. Um, but I, one thing I want to say that I read recently that was so powerful to me was that fear is not real. Fear are our thoughts. There are always thoughts that we have. Danger is real. Danger is very real, but fear is not real. It's something that we are, we're making in our heads, you know? That's so interesting. I've never thought about that. Because when you said fear is not real, my initial response was like, mm, no, I'm afraid. But <laughs> you're so right. Danger is real and perceived danger is real. But the feeling of fear truly does not serve you. And it's a valid thing to feel. Oh, completely valid. Yeah. It just fear is about a mindset. Fear is about your perception of something, whether or not it's true. The danger can be real or there could be no danger, but still fear, right? And that's a valid emotion that you're having, but understanding that the power of that emotion comes from your perspective and your mentality around a certain situation. I think that dichotomy of like what's true and what's real bleeds into this next bullet point of practice what you know to be true or helpful. And this idea of what is true or helpful is all subjective as is life, right? The social is popping out. But um, <laughs> this, I really like this idea because my natural inclination is to be like, how can I help? And I guess spinning that on its head, really emphasizing what we have now said and alluded to throughout is that 
the best way to help others is to help yourself. And that doesn't mean to be void of consideration for someone else, but understanding that you must help yourself to be of maximum service to others. Absolutely. I think that we've touched on this throughout, but really practicing what you know to be true or helpful is applying those boundaries, right? Is is being vulnerable, is showing up for yourself, is continuing to do what has worked for you and what you know feels good and you know will bring you to your to your best self that will be able to show up for others in a powerful way. Um, and you're right, this looks different for every single person. This could be practicing so many things, right? And those are the things that align with your values, right? So for me, these are things like daily movement, keeping promises to myself, getting in touch with nature, distancing myself from people and things that drain me, but also letting them know why, because I think it's important to have that practice and, and communicate that because it's something that I would value on my end. And I think, like you mentioned, we have this fear that people are not going to receive it well, but oftentimes they do. They appreciate knowing why and, and having that conversation with us. Yeah. It also brings me back to this idea of what you know to be true doesn't mean that it's a fact. So what you know to be true can change. It can ebb and flow, right? And what is true for you will change and should change because you are a different version of yourself. And that doesn't mean that parts of you die, but parts of you are no longer true, right? Things that brought you joy no longer bring you joy. And so what was true in one season of, oh, I really enjoy arts and crafts as a kid and I really enjoy coloring may not be true for you as a teenager. And then it may be true for you again as an adult. And so understanding that ebb and flow of like truth. And I think that, you know, I say it all the time. My goal here or one of the goals is to create a community rooted in authenticity. And again, there's there's a power in being authentic. I'm literally looking at like a little vision, not vision board. It's like a manifestation. What is the word? It is an affirmation board. That is the word. Um, It is a whiteboard in which I wrote a variety of affirmations. And the one affirmation that is directly in the center says, I am powerful in my authenticity. And there's something about that that's really grounding for me because when I'm feeling like I'm too much, I'm too loud. I'm too emotional. I'm too sensitive. I'm overthinking. I'm too insert something here. If that is authentically what I'm feeling, there is power in myself for recognizing that and power in showing up in spaces in that way. Completely. And I would like to echo the point that you made that we are always changing. And so it's important to always feel connected back to yourself and check in with yourself. I think Um, oftentimes we can lose sight of that and just keep, you know, chugging along, but it's important to have those daily, weekly, however many check-ins and journal and reflect and spend that time alone. And I think many of the people around me have been forced to do that more, more so than they have before. And I think it's incredibly powerful to do that. I don't remember exactly why, but I remember in high school, I want to say it was an English class or like an English, like master seminar where we were doing poetry and they said, before we write anything, I'm going to give you a prompt. And the prompt was, 
write three things that you know to be true about yourself, about your community, and about the school that we were attending. And it was a really difficult prompt for me to be like, what are three things that I know to be true about myself? Aside from the arbitrary, like I'm 4'11 and I'm Puerto Rican, right? Like what are three things about Sienna as an individual that I know to be true that are not facts? And I think that like delineation for me was the first time that I grappled with that. And it was just a really powerful moment for me to kind of think about that. So I want to challenge anyone who is listening. What are three things that you know to be true about yourself and about your community? I love that. I'm absolutely going to do that prompt after this. (laughs) Yay. I love that. Actually, the funny one is this next bullet point because you earlier said like arbitrary numbers and things of that. And so here we go. The next bullet point says, educate yourself at least 20 minutes a day. How do you feel about that? Yeah. So this one, you're right. It is different than the rest of them, but I will say, I do think that this one is important, but I do think the number is less important. I think we can definitely find ways to to educate ourselves um, every single day, but I don't think it has to be 20 minutes or at least a chunk of 20 minutes at once, you know, but I think this is self-explanatory in the way that we, you know, it's important that we don't lose our curiosity for life. And um, we have so many resources nowadays. So much is accessible to us for free. Um, And everyone has a different format of learning that um, works best for them. But I think, you know, post-grad life, it's important to keep learning and it's important to find ways of learning that you enjoy, you know, watch videos, find TED Talks, read books, audio books, podcasts, read articles, learn a new skill on masterclass or YouTube. I think there's ways for anyone to find ways to learn and stay curious and learn new skills that they enjoy and that they resonate with and they want to pursue. Um, But I don't think it has to look like a set way. And I don't think it has to be 20 minutes, a chunk set time every day because you got to mix it up. You got to keep it fun. But I do think it's important to keep it, um, keep it fresh and learn every day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with everything that you said. It just makes me laugh because I think about how the conversation around social media and how it's like degrading our minds and really capitalizing on our youth and their attention, but not actually serving them or providing value. And I think a lot about this whole episode is because of something that was created on social media and what we took from it. And I think understanding that schooling and education are very different. Um, and that is, if you want to talk to me about it, just hit me up and we can have a conversation. But I say that to point out that you are constantly educating yourself with the things that you consume. And it is so important to be intentional with the things that you're following, with the people that you're following, the messages that you're really consuming, because 20 minutes on TikTok goes by in the snap of an eye. And if all of those TikToks were from different therapists and masters in their fields and disciplines, you're learning, you're educating yourself. Watching a really funny like doctor remix stretching video, you learned new stretches. You educated yourself on the way that your own body interacts with itself. And this curiosity for life does not look one way. It manifests in so many different ways. And so 
just lean into whatever is natural for you. I want to echo that because that's so important. Um, Learning can look so many different ways and you're so right there. Um, It could be learning a new dance move or a dance, learning a new recipe, learning a life hack from something, you know, it can look so many different ways. And I don't want to hear the excuse that you don't have time if, if your goal is even 20 minutes, right? Because if you have social media, if you have these apps, you have the time to be using these platforms for this purpose. Um, and that's something I found myself doing um, this over these past few months is going through my followers list and saying, you know what, I'm not gaining much from following this creator or this person and unfollowing them. And then finding creators, psychologists, people I really respect their work and I love their content and following them. Because you have the ability to curate your feed and what is showing up um, daily for you. And that can, that can be your learning as well. Absolutely. That bleeds into the next point, which is create more joyful moments. And I am such a proponent of like joy and feeling joy as a full body, visceral experience and understanding that Every day of your life will not be joyous, but you can create a joyous moment every single day and really owning the power that you have to do that for yourself. Um, Me and Cami Arboles in, I think it's called The Magic of Movement or Let the Music Move You, something along those lines. It is an episode that I released with uh, artist and creator Cami Arboles. And the whole episode, we really spoke about the joy of movement and how that was integrated into our experience with dance. And I won't say much more else about it because you can go listen to it. But it just reminds me of the importance of joy and really understanding that it's more than slapping a smile on your face or being happy. Joy is full body. It's that experience of I'm so invested in the experience of what I'm having that I forgot to look at my phone or I got lost in the song and maybe those peppers on the stove burned a little bit. But that's joy. That was a joyous moment. And understanding that joy happens every day, right? It can be is very like casual moment. Um, It doesn't have to be the grand. I drove to the beach at 5 a.m. with my charcuterie board and that was joy. I mean, kudos to you, honestly, if you do that. God bless. Like, that's great. That is joy. And also, it could be so simple. I love that point. I love that point that joy can be so simple. And I agree that there is joy in every single day. We just have to choose to see it. And, you know, not every day is perfect and we have our bad days, but we can choose to focus on on the moments of joy and choose to magnify them and choose to focus on them because what we focus on is what we create more of. So I love that point that there's moments of joy in every day. And I think we can make them too. Even if we don't have any big plans or any things, you can text a friend and check in with them and have that moment of joy. You can compliment a stranger and have that moment of joy. You know, you can do so many little things throughout your day that are so simple and you can definitely do them. Um, And they're not big moments, but they make a difference. I love it. I want to ask you, what are some of the ways when... What are some of the ways that you create joy for yourself? I mean, some of the things that I mentioned were, you know, texting a friend or complimenting someone. But again, I don't want to make it everything about others and external. So for me, a lot of the moments of joy that I have are, you know, by myself and with myself. And 
there are moments like self-care, like lighting a candle, you know, and being by myself and um, connecting with nature. That's when I honestly, nature is my, my place personally, where I am just so happy. If I'm biking, hiking out in nature by myself, taking pictures of the nature by myself, that's joy for me. Those are moments of joy for me. Picking up hobbies that I lost touch with, like we mentioned before, those are always changing, but realizing that I had all these creative endeavors that I did when I was a kid growing up and I lost touch with, but going back and seeing which one of those do I still enjoy doing and doing those, that's joy. Um, Yeah, just creating. Oh, that's a big one for me. Learning to create more than I consume because consuming is is easy and we can all passively do it you know we we all purchase things watch things eat things and those are fun those can be joyous but it takes active effort to create things create content write dance move exercise cook you know to to create um but i think it's important that we all find our ways um and do the things that we love to create because I think that there's so much joy and so much life in creating. So much life in creating. And I also want to hone in on this point that everyone creates, even if you don't think of yourself as a creative or a creator, you are constantly curating and creating your life, your story, your experiences through your actions, your thoughts, your behaviors. And Again, this whole episode is about intentionality, right? And living a value-based life. And so really understanding that what you create is a reflection of what you value, what you give time and effort and energy and speak life onto and into is a reflection of the values you hold. And I think that is a key difference between a value-based life versus a goal-based one is the intentionality in a value-based life is understanding that I'm intentionally going to do this and the value is the experience, not necessarily the achievement. And understanding that one experience can lead to multiple achievements and there is still value. Whereas I feel like a goal-based mindset is typically the idea that the value is in achieving this destination. But if I don't do that, then the experience has less value than if you achieved. And I think that is, for me, why I really initially was drawn to this idea of like value-based versus goal-based because it's experiential and I'm such an experiential person. Um, So it really stuck out to me. Yeah, I love how you just put that. I, I think a huge thing right there is the experience. And I think you posted about this a while back, but um, also shifting your mindset about these experiences, shifting your mindset to think, I get the opportunity to do this versus I'm obligated or I have to, or I need to do this. Just that small wording shift in your mind is so powerful to, to recognizing experiences are part of the process. Yeah, that actually was one of my journal prompts um, for one of my reels. I was reflecting on like my week and instead of doing a to-do list, I get a get-to-do list, right? What are the things that I get to do today? Um, And with my word of 2021 being decisive, it's what am I deciding to do today? Um, And again, really putting the power back in myself and saying, I have the power to make these things happen. And they're... I'm going to say it again, right? But like that is affirming. 
to read. I was going to say empowering, but that's too much power. It is in, uh, it is so affirming to read something that gives myself power and gives myself control, even though control also is like a social construct that I won't be, like, <laughs> simply won't get into that. Um, but yeah, I love that. I just love that shift because I've been doing it more recently and it, it yay. makes it really does. I'm so glad that goes great into our next point, which is follow your intuition. And I think intentionality and intuition really do go hand in hand. They're they might even be sisters, not cousins. They oh, sisters for sure. Twins. <laughs> Twins. <laughs> what for you? What has it looked like and what has it felt like for you to be following your intuition this year? Trusting myself trusting what I know, because I think it's, it's also hard for me too. just the nature of who I am as an empath and a people pleaser to trust myself and not look for external, you know, validation and people to be like, yes, what you're doing is important or you're doing that again. um, Validating myself and knowing that I am my own expert. I know myself better than anybody else. I know what's best for me. I know what I need all the time, but I just need to hone in and reflect on it and tell myself it and remind myself of it. But everybody, everybody is their own expert. Everybody knows what's best for them. So you need to follow your intuition because you know, you know more than you know. You know more than you know. That, I love that. I am my own expert. I really, really love that. And Ironically, it makes me think about like a Will Smith snippet when he was having an interview and he was like, you can't ask others for what you should do with your life. It's your life. And so many times you don't even know what you can do because a lot of people for a variety of reasons understand their limits to be X. But the reality is that their limits are Z, right? Or their limits are Q. If you're starting it over again, like your limits are so much further than you believe them to be. And if you trust your intuition, if you trust that first instinct of I can do this and then you're like, ah, wait, maybe I can't. That Mm -hmm. instinct telling you that you can trust that, lean into that and understand that sometimes your gut can be wrong. And I feel like that's a controversial thing to say. but just because you are an expert in yourself, just because you are leaning into trusting yourself doesn't mean that you're not going to be wrong or that you're not going to make mistakes. It simply means that you're trusting your decision-making ability almost. You're trusting, I don't know. Can you help me out here? What do you? Yeah, I think it's you trusting you to know the direction to go, you trusting to know if you need help with something or if something just isn't working, you might not know the specifics, but you might, you might, you might know it's time to leave this job or this relationship, or I need to start therapy or, you know, I need to listen to my body and respect my body and intuitively eat. Or, um, you know, I think, I think it's just like listening to yourself and getting in tune with your body and what it's telling you and the signals it's giving you. Um, But yeah, sometimes you can be wrong because I think sometimes our gut or our intuition and that visceral reaction that something is wrong can be impacted by other factors, bad experiences, trauma, negative things that we had to go through, unfortunately. 
But most of the time it's there to protect you and it's there to guide you. And so I think people can benefit a lot more from listening to that more. Will it lead you astray sometimes? Yeah. But just honing back in and understanding, being self-aware of why is, why is my gut telling me that this is wrong or that I need to move in a different direction? Yeah. And you know what? I think you hit the nail on the head and it really inspired me. Trusting yourself doesn't mean trusting that you're always going to be right. It means trusting that you'll be okay even when you're wrong. I, I love that. That's yeah. really what it is. Yeah. Like following your intuition, let it guide you and trust that whether this is actually the best path for me or not, one, I will recognize that. And two, I will be okay regardless, right? I am capable of getting out of situations that no longer serve me. I am capable of making a wrong decision and realizing, right? Um, right. There's... I think that acknowledgement of your your body and yourself telling you that something something needs to change. But even if you make a change and it wasn't the change that needed to happen, it's leading you to a different to different opportunities. And I think that's okay to understand that, you know, that decision wasn't the best for me, but it got me out of a situation that was no longer serving me. And that was important. And also realizing that your body can tell you things that your mind has not yet processed. If you are real, if you are really in tune with your body and just really sitting Physically, things can manifest in a way that psychologically you just have yet to process or you're not allowing yourself to process. Go for it. Go off. Go (laughs) off. No, I don't want to go off there, but I just want to echo that that is so real, that your body is, your body knows your evolutionarily and just who we are as people, our bodies know, our bodies know, and they will warn us and they will try to tell us. Yes, they will try to tell us. And that is a beautiful, beautiful segue into this last bullet point. Inform others when something isn't working for you. Your body will inform you when something is not working for yourself, right? And you have to take that agency, really own your power. And there is always a loving way to say, I can't engage in this. I don't want to engage in this. I don't have the capacity. I don't have... It's okay. Right. And I just want to send so much like love to all the people like me who struggle with setting boundaries. You got to do it anyway. And I promise you, I promise you, you're going to be okay. The world is going to keep turning. The sun is going to keep shining. And ultimately, letting other people know what is not working for you will give you one, what you need, and two, give you clarity on where you need to position people in your life. Yeah, I think boundaries are super important in that way of starting to notice what irritates you, what bothers you internally. You know, um, as someone who is struck, who does struggle with that and is a healing codependent, I think it's important to own my feelings as mine and express them because people can't read our minds. You know, avoiding conflict doesn't avoid problems. It just avoids intimacy and truth. It doesn't avoid the problem though. That's still there. And conflict is the opportunity to either connect or redirect, right? So you can either come out of it closer with that person and knowing that you said everything that needed to be said on your end and, or knowing also that your energy is better spent elsewhere. Absolutely. And it really 
it brings me back to this idea of trusting yourself and again really trusting that regardless of the outcome of this situation the only person you had to answer to was yourself and so if you can stand by your decisions and say that really was an unideal ending or an unideal moment for me and this person to have at the end of the day like i stand by what i said i stand by what i did because i was advocating for myself and your best advocate is always going to be yourself you should be your best advocate right because you know what you need best and you are the person who's first going to know when those things change. And with that understanding that boundaries shift, boundaries change, needs and dynamics change in relationships. And I feel like we're going 360 right back to the beginning of the conversation with just really understanding that what does and doesn't work is constantly going to evolve and can look different. What may work in my relationship with Kate may not work in my relationship with Kobe, who I mentioned earlier, because we're different people and our dynamics are different. And so there needs to be a level of understanding that everything is subjective. And I think once you really accept and lean into this idea that everything is subjective, everything is nuanced, you really, you almost experience like a lightness or there's something that's just lighter about knowing that you don't have control over everything, but you still have power. I love that. Yeah, there is a lightness because I think once we sort of unload the, the responsibility of, of holding things in and sharing what our true needs are, asking for help and space and favors from people people only know what they know from their side, right? And they can only respond to the information that they have. But by giving them that information, we're allowing both sides to have lightness and both sides to have a level of control. Because I feel like resentment, resentment is so real with not, you know, setting boundaries or informing others when things aren't working for you. But it it happens because problems are only known about from one side. That's what creates resentment, right? Once we express it to somebody else, they have the power to do with that information and we have to take care of ourselves at that point. But letting them know is the step that is important, right? Because we can't control how they react, but we can control being willing to be vulnerable and sharing that information and then taking a step back and being like, what do I need to do to take care of myself now? Yes, I feel so good. This was such a beautiful conversation, such a beautiful exchange. Um, Before we wrap it up. Is there anything that you really want to like hone in on, emphasize, or just, you know, say to the audience before we finish up? Oops, sorry about that. Yeah, I sort of added my 12th point, but I just wanted to add, um, going off the being less fearful and, you know, not focusing on perfectionism is the last point that I had is to be bold and to take the risk and to start now. And there's no better time right now to start on your goals, um, whether they're, they're experiential goals or they're concrete goals, whatever you choose for yourself. You know, this year I experienced a lot of personal loss and tomorrow is not guaranteed and we only have this present moment. So I just want to say I've, I've been guilty of playing it safe, but this year has really inspired me to dream more. And I've witnessed some of the people closest to me transform their lives this year and get into the healthiest relationships they've been in, land their dream jobs, pick up their fitness journey, you know, um, 
I've had a friend start a business from the ground up and I've seen, you know, it again and again, you know, you starting this podcast. Um, I think it's incredibly important and incredibly inspiring to see that. So here's a reminder. If you're listening to this and you're thinking about starting the project or telling somebody how you feel or living life for yourself, any of those three things, if anything specific came to your mind, please do it, do it because fear is not real. Danger is real. Yes. Go do it. Go do it. Go do it. And tell us about it. If you do it, DM me, DM Kate, like just let us know because that's what this community is for, right? It's for encouraging one another and showing up authentically. And so we are here to support you. We are here in community. I would love to hear from y'all. Yay. I love it so much. Um, Awesome. So that is your challenge. And also the prompt earlier before is going to be the call to action for this week. Think about, write down what it is that you know to be true about yourself. Not facts, but what are things that are true to you and true to your community? And with that, if you want to start thinking, what are your values? What are your values? And What shifts do you want or could be positive to make that guide you towards a value-based life? With that, thank you all so, so much for listening. Thank you, Kate, for joining me again. Where can people connect with you if they want to find you? Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me here. It's been a joy. Um, Definitely added joy to my day. Um, People can find me on Instagram at kdecoste, K-A-Y-Y-D-E-C-O-S-T-E. That's the main platform I use to share. So they can find me there. Beautiful. I love it. And without further ado, love and light, beautiful people. Beautiful people.